0: Welcome to the Mad in America podcast, your source for science, psychiatry, and social justice.
1: Welcome to the Mad in the Family podcast. I'm Miranda Spencer, Family Resources Editor at Mad in America. Today's topic is peer support for youth, and really anyone, in emotional crisis, using an educational program called Emotional CPR. Our guests are deeply involved in training and practicing this approach. Oryx Cohen, MPA, is a leader in the International Mental Health Consumer, Survivor, Ex-Patient, or Mad Pride movement. Currently, Oryx is the Chief Operating Officer of the National Empowerment Center, or NEC. Among other responsibilities, he organizes the National Alternatives Conference every three years and assists states that have underdeveloped consumer-survivor voices to find that voice and then work towards transforming the mental health systems in those states to become peer-driven and recovery-oriented. Oryx is also a lead trainer for emotional CPR, or eCPR, and has conducted over 50 eCPR trainings around the world. Prior to joining NEC, Oryx was co-director of the Western Massachusetts Recovery Learning Community. He helps to spearhead an innovative peer-run approach focusing on recovery, healing, and community. Oryx is also the co-founder of Freedom Center, the Pioneer Valley's only independent peer-run support activist organization. Oryx is the co-producer and a subject in an award-winning 2016 documentary, Healing Voices, which has been screened in over 500 communities in over 15 different countries. He speaks and conducts trainings nationally and internationally on such topics as hearing voices, trauma, and recovery. Our other guest is Brisa Gavidia, who is a certified youth emotional CPR educator. She is 21 years old and is a student at Fullerton College majoring in sociology. Brisa is currently employed in a program assisting the elderly with daily activities. Her goal is to work in the mental health field so she can give young people real hope for a better future. She loves sharing her lived experience with trauma and how she is tackling these challenges so she can become a stronger person. Welcome. So, Oryx, what is the National Empowerment Center and how does it differ from conventional mental health-centered organizations?
0: The National Empowerment Center is a national peer-run mental health organization. Uh, We're one of three um, national technical assistance centers funded by SAMHSA. And one of the major things that makes us different is that we are peer-run, so all of us that work there have our own lived experience with mental health issues, trauma, um, and, and recovery. Yeah, our lived experience makes a, makes a huge difference and influences um, what we do. We're also different in the sense that we come at things from a more holistic perspective rather than a medical perspective. So, yeah, we're not all about diagnosis and um, treatment and things like that. We're more about um, community based approaches, uh, holistic healing, peer support. So, yeah, that's a little bit about the National Empowerment Center.
1: Okay. How does um, ECPR fit in with the Empowerment Center's mission? And what is ECPR?
0: ECPR stands for Emotional. CPR. Um, and the C is connection, the P is empowerment, and R is revitalization. Emotional CPR is, um, is our core training at the National Empowerment Center. And it teaches anybody how to better support someone else uh, who's going through an emotional crisis. So it's a, it's a practice, really a way, a way of being and we've also found that it not only works in those crisis situations, but it, it helps. It can be a way of life, actually. So it can help in um, with, within your family, within coworkers, just neighbors, just in your daily life. Um, emotional CPR can can help. So yeah, that's it's it's our core training, and um, as we go along, I'm sure you're going to hear more um, about how we've adapted emotional CPR for youth.
1: Okay. Can you quickly break down the acronym, the connecting, empowering and revitalizing? What do those mean?
0: Sure. Um when we talk about connecting, that's really kind of the foundation of emotional CPR, being with someone, supporting someone, even just communicating better with another human being. Um, And we talk about connecting, it's it's really more at a heart to heart level rather than kind of a head to head Thinking level, so the emotional part of emotion, emotional CPR is really important. Connecting on that emotional level, so you think about it as um, a heart-to-heart connection or connecting through feelings first. And the P for empowerment, emphasizing the power uh, piece of it, um, recognizing that there are power imbalances in our society, uh, but that everybody is a whole person even in our worst moments our darkest moments we see people as whole people that have power and how do you access empowerment we feel like um, this authentic heart-to-heart connection can go a long way um, because we can't we can't empower someone else we don't have we don't have the power that power to empower someone else but we can create um, an environment and energy that allows people to feel their own power. So empowerment is is a huge part of ECPR. Um, and empowerment also involves choices. A lot of times when people are in a crisis, they don't have a lot of choices or they're told what to do a lot of the time. So ECPR tries to give people choices um, in what what they want to do for themselves. And our revitalization—that's that's hopefully where we want to get to, uh, feeling more energy or feeling more of a sense of groundedness, a sense of connection with other people. Um, you know, wanting wanting to live, wanting to do different things in life. Um, that's that's the the kind of the end goal of ECPR is revitalization.
1: What's the origins of eCPR? Who started it and
0: why? Yeah, uh, thanks for asking that. Uh, Emotional CPR has been around for over 10 years and it started just after uh, Mental Health First Aid came out. And Mental Health First Aid is a training that was developed in Australia by um, mental health professionals. A few of us... uh, folks with lived experience, uh, psychiatric survivors, uh, some some people call ourselves. I wasn't one of those people. I, I came on after that, but uh, a few people at that time saw the mental health first aid training and did not like it, to be honest. Felt like it was very clinical and was just teaching um, lay people how to make a lay diagnosis and then refer on to professionals uh, but nothing about like how to support someone in the moment of a crisis. And so we figured who who better to design a training than those of us who have been through those experiences and we know what has worked for us and and what what can work for other people And so that's how the original um, curriculum was written. A group of about 20 people at that time came together and wrote, the um, original original curriculum for emotional CPR and we've been adapting and and adjusting it um, ever since.
1: Is it um, an alternative, I guess, uh, to conventional mental health care or sort of an adjunct to it or what?
0: I mean, it could be both. I, I think that it's better as an alternative, to be honest, um, we we really feel like the training's for everyone, so that that includes people who are currently working in mental health profession, and we've so we've trained um, folks at state hospitals, and we've trained psychiatrists and social workers, and and we've also just trained kind of other random members of the general public. So yeah, I would say both.
1: <laughs> okay. So would anyone using it ever refer someone into the mental health system or is the idea just to, to help them to stay out of it?
0: Um you Refer. No, it's not, a, it's not about referring. It, it's all about what the person in distress wants. So there are times when someone in distress says, Hey, I really want to go to a hospital. So who, who, who am I to say, you know, that I, you know, I mean, I can express my feelings about it. I can, say, you know, I'm nervous about that or, or whatever, but ultimately it's the person's decision. Um, so I wouldn't say it's a referral, but if, if it's the, if the person says, you know, I really want to go to a hospital, then I'm, I would, as a supporter, um, it's not my job to argue them out of that. So I would support them in that decision and be by their side the whole way. If that, if that makes sense, it's kind of a, it's, it's a different way of doing it.
1: Right. So In what setting would this happen? For example, who participates in eCPR and kind of how and when would you find yourself um, offering it?
0: Well, it was originally designed for those really big crisis situations, like someone's feeling suicidal or hearing really distressing voices or, uh, you know, really super sad or angry or anxious so those situations, it definitely can work, and, and it has worked. I've heard several examples of of eCPR basically saving lives, even, even the most extreme example of talking people off of jumping off a building, for example. So, yeah, those situations, um, for sure. But like I mentioned before, it can also be used just in day-to-day life. just I, I try to practice emotional CPR with my children. I have an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old and I try to practice it with my wife. And I feel like when I do that, it makes my relationships better. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a crisis situation to be able to try to connect with someone on an emotional, heart-to-heart level.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um... So I understand there are some recent research findings on the effectiveness of ECPR. There was a, a journal article this year that seems to show a positive effect on mental health practitioners. Um, can you talk about that and do you have any information about research on the effect about the recipients, which is the person in crisis or the person that you're supporting?
0: Yeah, this research was done pretty recently. It was done all on the um, online version of emotional CPR, you know, and so it's, it would be interesting to, to to do some research on the in-person, though we haven't had much of an opportunity to do that recently. Um, and we, we never thought it was really possible to do the online before COVID hit. So, yeah, this research was done on the online version, and it was done with the participants in the training. The trainings itself. So we haven't yet been able to do um, ex- any really research on people practicing it outside of the trainings, which would be a great thing to have. But um, this is definitely a start. You mentioned practitioners. The the research shows that practitioners or mental health professionals found had the greatest results with mindfulness aware, mindful awareness, mindfulness awareness, which is interesting. And a lot of other really great effects from the training, including um, increasing a sense of belonging, um, decreasing loneliness, uh, which if you think about it is huge uh, because of what a lot of people have been going through with COVID is a profound sense of isolation. Um, so to have have something that you know makes people feel like they're part of a group um, decreases that isolation. The research also found that we are um, teaching what we hope to teach. <laughs> that uh, people are coming across with a greater understanding of how to support someone else in a crisis. So although we don't have that research, you know, that, which would be difficult to do, but I'm sure possible, the research of, of following people who have been trained and then seeing how they practice it and how that's impacted people outside of the training. But we do know that folks are learning what, the, what, we, what we teach them. Um, and they're feeling more confident in being able to support people who are in crisis. So um, all of these all of these are um, good good signs, and it's it's great to have a peer reviewed published article, which means that we're basically an evidence based practice at this point.
1: Great. So you mentioned training. How can a person learn more about it or be trained in this?
0: Well, we do have a website that's. Uh, dedicated solely to emotional CPR, and that's emotional-cpr.org. And you can contact us through the website. Uh, There's also a list of upcoming trainings on that website. Many of them are open to the public. So if you see a training that you're interested in, um, you can feel free to contact us, or sometimes there's a separate registration link, and you can just register for the training. A lot of the trainings that we do are free because we are funded by um, SAMHSA, but there are also several trainings that have a cost to it because we can't offer every training for free. We don't have an unlimited budget. But yeah, I would just check out emotional-cpr.org.
1: Okay, thanks. Uh, let's get Brisa on here. So um, tell us a little about who you are. And can you talk about uh, the National Empowerment Center's youth programs in general?
2: Um, yeah, my name is Breza Gavidia. Um, I have been practicing ECPR actually since I was a child because um, my grandmother is, was a trainer and she taught me everything I know about ECPR. So ever since I was a kid, it was something I was incorporating in my life. And when I was about 13 years old, I went to my first ECPR training in person. I was observing and I knew about what it was. I knew what ECPR was, how it affected people, but I didn't see it with my own eyes. So the first time when I was about 12 or 13, I was able to go to, and it wasn't a full training. It was actually just like a... A preview to see if people were interested so it was only about two hours in one day but I was so amazed and moved when I saw the trainers demonstrating ECPR in front of all these people and I, I saw how other people reacted to it and how people were crying in their seats. People were hugging each other. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? Like, I knew this existed, but when I saw it with my own eyes, it really moved me. And right in that moment, that's when I knew, oh, ECPR is important, like really important. And this is something that I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to incorporate it in my life. And I knew also I wanted to be a trainer so that I could also connect with other people and share it with other people.
1: Wow. So can we back up a little and um, have you tell us something about the NEC's youth programs? How does that fit into the bigger hole and what are some of the youth programs and where does ECPR fit?
2: Well, we just created youth ECPR not that long ago, maybe a year and a half ago. Um, Yeah, they got a few of us together to give our input on how we could change ECPR a little bit so that it would fit younger people ages 16 to 26. So we had younger people to kind of talk about, okay, how could we change ECPR in a way that young people can connect with it? Because the original ECPR trainings are two days but they're like many hours and younger people they have shorter attention spans so we kind of had to cut it down to you know like a whole week and two it's about two and a half hours each day and that was perfect time to connect with the younger people but also not lose their interest because after like the third like three hours you know it <laughs> they can kind of lose interest so that's why we created the youth ecpr so it was better fitting for younger people and also we have topics that are a bit more current just for what younger people would want to talk about and we have more interactive activities um also to keep the younger people engaged and yeah, it's very, very. The youth ECPR is more, I would say, interactive than normal ECPR.
0: I, I'll help so. out a little bit with the uh, part of your question, which is, how does this fit in with the other National Empowerment Center youth mm-hmm. programs? So, we have a youth coordinator, and her name's Shira Collins. Definitely, I would say, youth emotional CPR is probably the biggest part of our youth programs, but we do have, we also have a um, youth leadership webinar series that we do. Um, And so every couple of months we offer a webinar to the public uh, around youth leadership. So we bring in uh, someone representing a youth organization or someone who's done work with youth, someone who is a youth themselves and they talk about what is what does it mean to be a leader, a young person who is a leader. Um, and 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 what how do you how how can we support the development of new youth leaders? How can older adults support younger people? And that series has been really fabulous. We Brisa's actually, I think, presented on one of those webinars um, talking about um, youth ECPR, but the 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 topics have been pretty broad on, on that, on that series. So that's, that's something else that we've been doing with the youth, the youth program.
1: Okay. Well, this question is sort of for both of you. Um, Why um, are youth involved? Why is it helpful to have someone that is a peer rather than an older person?
2: Yeah, that's actually a really good question, Um, which is why we decided that for youth ECPR, we would have, people that were younger training the youth because I think it is really hard for young people to be open with adults that are, you know, older because I think they were told their entire life, this is, you're too young. This is how things are. You have to listen to what we say and you can't change the status quo. And I think young people are really changing, especially with the mental health movement, Things how things were in the past and challenging the practices because mental health practices, how people, quote unquote, cure mental illness is much different than how young people view it now because now we don't see it as, oh, it's a bad thing that needs to be pushed away. Now young people are trying to say, hey, I deal with this and why is that wrong? Why should I have to listen to what an older person says when they tell me to take medication or when they tell me that I need to see psychiatric help when all I want is to talk and communicate how I feel? So I think that's why it's really important to have fellow youth training youth because we can relate to how they feel. And we understand this the new generation and the new pressures that young people have when it comes to to school and when it comes to being perfect. And especially when it comes to social media, social media is a whole other thing in itself because a lot of older people don't understand the pressures of social media. And how social media can really make you feel depressed or anxious. And young people understand that. So that's why we're able to connect with them.
1: Mm -hmm. So is the technique or the content of ECPR different for young people than adults as far as what you would say or do? Or is it the same?
0: I'll jump in and then maybe Breeza can follow up because I wanted to follow up on the last one too, which we do have we do have some trainers who who can do the youth e c p r who are older adults um so that is that is an option but we found like i think the most powerful trainings have been done by youth for youth um and when i look at the evaluations from those trainings i do they just blow me away they're they're just so powerful that those trainings have been unbelievable and i know brisa has been a part of a lot of those um like young people like she said they're 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 not going to open up in the same way to an older adult as they are to um other youth and and younger people have shared things that they've never shared before with anybody else in in these trainings um and it's been really it's really amazing and healing experience. Um, as far as the question you just asked, I think Breeza touched on a lot of it already. Um, it's the basic core curriculum um, that that we use for the adults, but it's been adapted for youth so that it's taught in shorter intervals, um, more more days, but shorter shorter time frame, more interactive, more multimedia, um, and then we also have this new. Um, youth journals. We created a youth journal that um youth can write in and make it their own and um it's full of artwork and they can they can draw, they can write, um they can take some time to think about questions and, and jot some thoughts down before they participate, things like that. Um, and the youth I think the journals have been great as well. And I'll I'll turn it back to you Brisa.
2: Yeah. Um- what Oric said that the core itself for youth ECPR is the same, but we do have more interactive yeah, activities. We do have the journals, which they love the journals, because young people really like to <laughs> write things down and or sketch or draw pictures. So the core is the same, but we do kind of cut it up a little so it is more just easier to understand and it's not a lot of information being pushed in you know like five hours it's two and a half so it's a bit they give it they give them more time to process it it gives it gives them more time to go home write in their journal and then come back the next day and express what they wrote down
1: and is this the person that's being trained to to give ECPR, or are you referring to the person on the receiving end because I'm trying to find out what's it like for the person on the receiving end who is being helped?
0: Um, this is we're talking about the training for for practitioners. so this this training is teaching people to then go out and do ECPR. Um, so we're talking about the way we deliver that that training. The practice of ECPR, I would say, is the same for youth or adults. So we're, we're, we're teaching uh, in these trainings, we're teaching people that to then go out and support people in their communities by, by practicing emotional CPR, which is the, um, the connection, the empowerment, the revitalization piece of it. So, and how we do that in the training is through what we call real plays. So they're not role plays. We're not making up stories um, because you know if you're supporting someone in the community, it's they're not going to be making up a story, right? So the best way that we found to practice emotional CPR is for participants in the training to talk about some real experiences that are going on in their lives. It doesn't have to be the worst thing that that you've ever experienced, um, but sometimes people do open up in the training, they feel safe enough to open up and share some pretty tough stuff. So emotional CPR is being practiced in the training itself. I see. That, that's how we practice it. Um, so, yeah. And like I said, with the research, we haven't, that's a tougher thing to research. Once you, we've gone through the training and then, and then how do you capture what exactly people are doing in the community? That would, Yes, that would be very interesting to capture that, but we haven't been able to capture that. So what we have is basically examples from trainings themselves.
1: Well, Brisa, have you actually used ECPR out in the world with other young people? Yeah,
2: I definitely I use it every day, especially with my friends, especially because a lot of my friends are foster kids. Me myself, I'm a foster kid as well, and they have experienced a lot of trauma in their lives. So they will call me and tell me something in their family happened. And I would think back to ECPR and think back to what does this person need right now? And normally what people need when they are in a crisis or just trauma is they're reminded of trauma from their past. Really what they need is open ears they need someone to say, I'm here with you. I'm listening. What do you need from me? They just need someone to be there to listen. And that's what I take away from ECPR and how I incorporate how I incorporate it in my life. And I also work with the elderly. So I use it every single day at my job with the people I work with. um, Because it's working with elderly is a new job for me and something new I haven't experienced yet but I've been around older people my whole life and when sometimes they're sad sometimes they feel lonely and again the core of ECPR is to be there with someone and when someone feels lonely to listen to them and make them feel like they're hurt so I definitely incorporate it every single day in my life.
1: Wow. So how would someone access eCPR? Not the training, but how do you – I know it's more of a way of being than a therapy technique, but mm-hmm. um, if I were a young person and you know wanted some kind of help but wasn't sure what to do, where would one find someone that could do eCPR?
0: Well, that's that's a really good question, Um And we, we, we uh, honestly, um, that's like next step, next level stuff. So, um, but you're making me, you're making me think and vision that wouldn't it be great to have a listing of people who practice emotional CPR, like on our website. Um, We don't currently have that type of information available. I mean, our, our, our vision is big (laughs) our our vision is that everyone ultimately is trained in emotional cpr so it wouldn't be about finding someone who has been trained it would just be that you know entire communities uh, are trained so like we've we've have gone into some schools for example um entire school districts um and and things like that uh we're starting to do some more work in uh franklin county massachusetts for example that could take off and and hit all kinds of different sectors of that community um so yeah the goal is that that it's a household thing (laughs) that people are educated in this way actually we've gotten into the curriculum and, and a couple of high schools so now high school students as a as um a part of their classes, they take a class in emotional CPR. This is a couple high schools in Vermont. Um, so, it, it, if we keep on this path, um, maybe maybe this will be something that that everyone learns, and then you wouldn't have to worry about who knows ECPR and who doesn't, because it would just be like, oh, this is the way that this is the way we do things <laughs> in our in our community.
1: Can you think of any other youth-oriented groups that have had eCPR instruction?
0: Well, we've partnered quite extensively with Youth Move National. Um, So they're one of the larger um, youth organizations. Uh, We have one trainer who works for Youth Move um, and a few others with Youth Move who've been involved. So Youth Move has been one of our partners. Um, There's an organization up in Vermont called we are hope that does work with youth that they're they're the ones that have actually gotten this into the curriculum in the high schools Um, but they also we are hope they provide um emotional support to students in the schools and they they provide coaches usually pretty regularly like a couple hours a day for a student who really students that need it need this a lot so We Are Hope has, it, it's emotional CPR is now their core training. Um, there's a there's uh, another um, youth organization, um, I believe it's based out of Arizona, and I'm blanking on the name of it, but they, they have done some training. There's uh, a group in Indiana has also taught this in a school in Indiana um, and done a lot with youth. ECPR. So yeah, those are a few of the a few of the um, applications that we've had so far.
1: How can one get training in this? Just go to the website, your website.
0: Yeah, I would go to the website and contact us, and it, and let us know if you're specifically interested in the youth emotional CPR. Um, and uh, yeah, we'd be happy to work something out
1: great is there anything else you'd like us to know on some of the topics we've been talking about or any anecdotal stories you might like to share
2: well i just wanted to to touch on just how important ecpr is and that it's not us telling people you know this is the way it is and you have to listen to us we we just want to connect with other people and help people to connect with themselves and connect with others and learn how to be there. Like Oric said, we want to teach people how to be there for someone who's in distress, right? That's what we talk about, how to be there for someone who's in distress, how to listen, how to, to not talk over them, just be a good listener, be present in the moment with someone else And let them talk and let them express how they're feeling. But it's also important that while we are teaching ECPR, teaching people how to be there for other people, we're also teaching how to be there for ourselves. We teach, um, like at the end, revitalization. It's not just for the other persons, for you as well. When you connect with someone else, you empower yourself. You feel good for yourself as well. It's a two-way, it's like we talk about dancing, like our hearts are dancing with each other. It's a two, two people feel it, not just one. Because if you want to help someone else, you have to be genuine. Mm -hmm. And when you're genuine, then you feel that in your heart. You feel the warmth of someone else expressing how they feel and their emotions. And emotions are so important because I really do believe that without human connection, without human emotion, we're just flesh and blood. You know, we're just bones. We're just, we're just walking around numb. But once we make that connection with someone else, that's when we have hope for living. And I just think that's just a very important thing. And I really hope everyone can incorporate that in their lives, whether they take a training or they just search it google it ecpr and what it what it is because i think and every every single person can benefit from ecpr
0: wow that was that was so well said <laughs> <laughs> i don't uh, yeah what brisa said <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> our guests have been Arks cohen and brisa gavidia of the national empowerment center i'm miranda spencer and this has been mad in the family
0: Thank you for listening to the Madden America podcast. Visit maddenamerica.com for more news, views and updates.